0: Her name was Ruth and she lived across the street from me in Ohio. She was 80 years old and she was a single lady. One day we got a snow that was big for Ohio that we call an afternoon in Wisconsin, but we got about eight to 10 inches. And it shut a lot of things down. So I went over and I cleared off my driveway and then I cleared off Ruth's driveway and she was really appreciative. A couple weeks after that, it was a Sunday afternoon, and I, I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to watch sports, take a nap, be left alone. And I come in, and it had snowed maybe two to, two to three inches, and we were maybe going to get another inch. And Brooke's like, hey, do, do you want to clear the driveway? And I'm like, I'll, I'll get it in a little bit. Well, I just want to let the rest of the snow fall. And she's like, okay, great. Fifteen minutes later, just as I was getting into a good groove and finally relaxed, Brooke came in the room and said, you need to go shovel the driveway. I'm like, all right, why? Like, what, what's up? She said, Ruth is out there shoveling our driveway. <laughs> to which I responded, are you sure I need to go out then? <laughs> and Brooke said, get outside now. And so I jumped out of the recliner And I went out, and there was my 80-year-old neighbor shoveling my driveway. Like, she should not have been shoveling my driveway. And I'm like, Ruth, it's okay, I've got it. And she's like, no, I can give you a hand. And I'm like, okay, we're doing this. And then I shoveled my driveway. Have you ever been in a situation where you've received something you didn't feel like you should have received? Maybe it's a gift that is just way too nice. Like, whoa, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to do with this. This is, this is so nice. I, I don't deserve this. Maybe it's an act of service. Maybe it's somebody doing something for you that you just feel like, I, I can't repay this. I don't deserve this. I, Maybe it's somebody doing something for you that you should be doing for them. Whatever the case may be, Today we're going to look back at a story in the life of Jesus that if you're at all familiar with the life of Jesus, you know this story. And the challenge is because we know a story so well, we can become callous to it. We can just tend to gloss over it a little bit, because in our minds, we already know every everything there is to know, we think. And this morning, we're going to be looking at John 13. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along there on the Bible app. And once you open up the Bible app, you can do so by going to the events feature and searching Lakeside Community Church. If your locations are enabled, it'll pop up instantaneously. If not, type in zip code 5420154201. 54201. I also want to say and we don't say this every week but it's good every week. If you if you aren't big into technology or maybe you are but you just really like to have books that you can write in and underline or highlight things and write notes down. If you like like actually having physical copies of books and you don't have a copy of the Bible, we would we would love to give you a copy here from Lakeside it's our gift to you just our way of saying thanks for being here and we love you we believe that the best way to connect with God is to understand the heart of God and that's revealed to us in scripture and so we want to give you we want to give you a bible if, if that's something that you don't have and you would like a copy that's our gift to you totally free and that's good every week we don't announce that every week but that is good every week. So if you or you know somebody who would like a copy, just encourage them. Hey, Lakeside would love to give you a copy. Um, but that that stands every week. We just don't mention that every week. But I just want to highlight that periodically, so people know we just want you to engage with with scripture so much. And this morning, as we continue uh, what we're calling outsourced. As we've seen, not only the opportunity we have as people who love Jesus, but also the obligation, the opportunity and obligation we have to serve people as a result of what Jesus has done for us and in our lives. And we continue that today in John 13. And we start there in verse 1 where we read these words. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. So very familiar scene, but I want to catch up in case you're unfamiliar or don't understand all the ramifications of what is happening here. The feast of the Passover was a time to remember and celebrate God's deliverance of his people from slavery and being captive in Egypt. And you can read all about this in the Old Testament book of Exodus. It's a great read. You hear about miraculous signs and wonders that God did in order for Pharaoh to let his people go to be freed from slavery and captivity. And all of the plagues and all of these things are remembered in the feast of the Passover. And it's a time where the Jewish people would remember and celebrate how God was working long before and how God has never never blind to the plight of his people. And and the Passover was a time to remember and celebrate God's working in the past. So just as that's about to happen, Jesus knows that his time is coming to an end. He knows that he's about to go and become he's about to go and be crucified for my sin and your sin, for my mistakes and your mistakes. That there is a price and a penalty to be paid as a result of our rebellion against God. And Jesus is about to go and pay that price so that we could each be restored to our Creator. In spite of the fact that we rebelled against Him, God still loves us anyway. And Jesus knows that His time is coming to an end. And He's about to go and be the sacrifice so we could once again have a restored relationship with our Creator. And then we see this, that Jesus in his heart is full of love. He's full of love for his friends and his followers in that room. And it says he loved them to the end. We see the heart and nature of God on full display here. That Jesus in his heart is just filled with love for all of those in the room. John peels back the curtain for us and just reveals to us what's going on in the heart of Jesus here in some of his final hours. And then we continue in verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. And now there's an abrupt scene change. There's an abrupt scene change that happens in the scene. We go from the heart of Jesus, the love of God just being on full display, and now we contrast that love of Jesus with the plot of hell going on in the heart of Judas. And here here is the tension that is set up for us. In this scene change, we have a very clear contrast between the love that is just radiating in the heart of Jesus and the bitterness and jealousy and betrayal that is just building in the heart of Judas. The love of Christ against the plot of hell. It's on full display for us. And Jesus, who's focused on what's about to come, stands up away from the table. We know what's going on here. But everybody around that table didn't. Jesus knew what was going on. We have the benefit of knowing from John's account what's in the heart of Jesus and what's in the heart of Judas. But only Judas and Jesus knew the betrayal and the, the angst that was writhing around in the heart of Judas. Verse 4 and 5, as 4 continues to say this, He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. They'd been walking around Jerusalem. They'd been walking all day. Down streets of dirt, rock, shoes weren't had, they had sandals. The sweat and the dust. Everybody running about, everybody carrying on, everybody going about. All that which would collect to a sweaty foot. The stench that would have to be present from all the sweaty feet that are there. as As all of that just combines, only sandals on their feet. It was the jobs of servants to wash people's feet. When you would arrive at somebody's home, their servant would greet you, and the first thing that they would do is they would wash your feet. It wasn't the job of the homeowner or the guest, but it was the servant's job to go and to to make sure that everybody's feet were clean. Everything was a walk or a ride on an animal. Dirt, dusty roads, stone and in the midst of this intense scene where we're shown the heart of Jesus and the heart of Judas, something happens. In the midst of this scene where love and betrayal are, are fighting and where they're about to meet, Jesus responds by beginning serve by washing the disciples' feet. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And there's Peter, and he missed it, like he normally does. And that should give you a lot of hope, because as you read Scripture, undoubtedly, you think from time to time, at least I know I do. I'm like, boy, he's an idiot. And then I, right when I start to feel good about myself, I think, well, God probably feels that way about me all the time, too. <laughs> so thank you, Peter, for making me feel a little bit better about myself, because I miss it all the time. There he is. He completely misses it. He forgets what Jesus has just taught him, what we just looked at a couple weeks ago. That Jesus already told the disciples the key to becoming the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He said, you want to be great? Don't lord it over people like everybody else in society does. You want to be great? Here's your path to greatness. Serve. Serve. You want to be great? You can be great. By serving others. And here Jesus is modeling exactly that which he's taught. His whole life is the model of this. As we saw a few weeks ago, for even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many in the ultimate act of sacrifice. Jesus would lay down his life, just ours, from what we're looking at. Peter, he completely misses it, forgetting what Jesus has told him is the key to becoming the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. He says, you don't understand now. You don't understand now what I'm doing, but one day you will. You may not understand now, Peter, what I'm doing, but one day you will. And this is This is one of the great challenges in life, that oftentimes we think we know what's going on in circumstances and situations. We oftentimes think we have the whole story. We oftentimes think that we're able to make conclusions based on the information that we have, and we feel like we have all the information, only to discover later on that there was information that we just didn't have. It wasn't available to us at the time. And when that information becomes known, it changes our perspective and how we feel about things. That's why they say hindsight is twenty twenty. Because later on you have all the facts and you can look back and see how things played out that you didn't know at the time where you had to make a choice or you had to make a decision. It was a while ago. Somebody came into my office. She was petrified. Her husband had been starting to act kind of suspicious. He was holding his phone really closely to him. He was deleting text messages. She just got the sense that he was hiding something. She came into my office on the verge of tears and said, I think my husband's having an affair. What she didn't know was a week to the day when she came into my office, was he was planning her a giant surprise birthday party. I knew about the birthday party, because I was invited to the birthday party. And now, I'm in this situation where I don't know what to say, because... I'm 99.9% sure he's not having an affair, but I hadn't come out and asked him if he was having an affair. But I'm 99.9% sure he's not having an affair, and I know the surprise birthday party is only a week away, and I could set her heart at ease right now, but ruin the surprise, and what am I supposed to do? Because you know people who figure it out, and then they try to act surprised, and it's just so, it's awful. And I don't want to be that guy who ruins the surprise, but I don't want this poor woman to sit here in tears thinking her husband's like, cheating on her. So I, I did my best to talk her off the ledge and to, to set her heart at ease, and as soon as she left my office, I called her husband, and I said, you need to, you need to listen to me right now. You've got to stop. You need to make somebody else answer all the texts because your wife thinks that, that you're having an affair. And it's. I promise you, the next week of your life is not going to be good if you continue deleting all these texts. I guarantee you that. So let somebody else handle all the details, and you've got to refer them to them. But you can't do this any longer. And then a week later, there was the surprise party. And she's like, I feel so stupid because she didn't have the information. She didn't know. And Later on, it became crystal clear what was happening. There was nothing she needed to worry about. He was just planning a surprise party for her and doing something that was really cool. But at the time, she didn't know that. And her mind started to go all these places. And Jesus says, Peter... What I'm doing, you don't understand, and that's okay. You're not going to understand this right now, but one day, one day you will. I mean, this is the angst of every parent. This is the angst of every good boss, that there are times you have to disappoint your kids, There are times you have to disappoint your employees. And the reason may not be readily available. You just have to trust that in time, it'll be understood. You'll figure it out. And Peter responds to Jesus, nope. Nope. Not me. You aren't washing me. Jesus says, if I don't, you will have no share with me. And Jesus responds, Peter, I must wash you. Now, is he talking about salvation? Absolutely. We all must be washed by the blood of Jesus. We all must be restored from our rebellion because all of us have made the decision to sin and rebel against God. And so, yes, Jesus is referencing salvation here, but he's also telling Peter, I must serve you. I must serve you. And then Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Peter says, Jesus, if you got to do this, then give me a bath. Let's go. I want to be soaked. You got to do this. Don't just stop at my feet. Don't just stop at my feet. Let's go. Get me soaked. Cover me. I want a bath. If this is what you have to do. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Jesus says, Peter, I'm not giving you a bath. You don't need a bath. But Jesus goes back to the tension that's been building. And he alludes to Judas. The heart of Jesus full of love. The heart of Judas full of betrayal. don't miss this how does Jesus respond to the one who would betray him he moves the basin he gets down on his knees and he washes the feet of the one who would betray him you will be betrayed in life. There will be people you thought you could trust who break that confidence. There will be friends that are no longer friends as a result of a misunderstanding or a disagreement. There will be people whose lives you pour into, who you love to the best of your ability, never reciprocate. There will be people that you help and they respond to your help by criticizing you to anyone who will listen. There will be people who gossip about you. There will be people who lie about you. You will have adversaries. And the question is, How do you respond? And the challenge for those of us who love Jesus is to respond in a way that doesn't come natural. But when that hate starts to grow in our hearts, and when we start to wish upon someone else evil and trouble, that we are brought back to this scene. And we were reminded of our Savior. who would wash the feet of the one, whose heart was already set on betrayal, whose plan was already in motion, but who Jesus continued to love, and who Jesus Continued to serve. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It certainly will not be fun. But the call for us who love Christ is to model his actions. And instead of repay evil for evil. The one who's violated our trust, to instead continue to love and to serve them. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you are right, for so I am. Jesus says, do you understand my service? Do you understand my service? We often think of the sacrifice of Jesus. We often think of the crucifixion of Jesus. We often think of how Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sins, but never miss the fact that the sacrifice of Jesus is just the ultimate act of service. That the entire ministry and life of Jesus is one that is characterized by service. Don't miss it. Don't miss the service of Jesus because you're just focused on the sacrifice. Do you understand? He says, if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. Jesus says, I've served you, now go and serve one another. That's the response that Jesus is looking for, that I served you, so now you go and you serve one another following my model, following what I have demonstrated to you, follow my lead, and you go and you serve one another. Well, and then he concludes with this Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you do. isn't that the hard part in life so often in life the hard part is not knowing what to do now there will be times and decisions in our lives where we have to rack our minds constantly and even after continual thought and processing we can't arrive at an easy conclusion there are those circumstances in life where it just you just rack your mind and you think for hours and hours and hours and a clear a clear conclusion just never comes. It just continues to be evasive. There will be those times, but far more often than not in life, the hard part is not knowing what to do. The hard part is just actually doing it, putting it into practice. I read an article this week of someone who biked across the United States of America. Not on a motorcycle, on a pedal bike. And they wrote about their experience. And one of the, one of the questions that they answered in their article was what was the most difficult part of riding across the United States? I found it fascinating. The most difficult part of riding across the United States was not dealing with inclement weather. The most difficult part of riding across the United States was not the differences in terrain from mountain peaks to valleys, to going through deserts. The hardest part wasn't even pedaling all those miles. The person who wrote across the United States and wrote the article said this. that The hardest part of the entire process of riding across the United States was getting started. Getting started. You know, oftentimes in life, That's so true. That the hardest part of anything we do is getting started. So here's our challenge. As people who love Jesus, we have opportunities and obligations to serve. Sometimes the hardest thing is knowing how, where, what. And I want to encourage you. Don't overthink it. God has put you where God has put you for a reason. You are not where you are by accident. And God can use you. And if you're wondering, well, what do I do and how do I get started? Follow your passions. Follow your passions. God has put you where you are for a reason, and he's given you the passions that you have for a reason. And so think about the things that just naturally come to your mind, where you already are, what you're already doing. But what are are frustration points that as you do things, you're like, I don't understand for the life of me why they don't do this differently. Or why wouldn't wouldn't they operate according to this? Why, Why do they choose to do it this way instead of this way? This would be so much better if they would only go about it like this instead of how they're doing it like that. And there's your answer. There's your answer. Don't overthink it. God's already given you the passion. He's already given you the opportunity. So just take it. Get started. If you get something started and you realize a, a couple, a couple times in, you know, this isn't, this isn't for me. God's not, God's not in heaven like, well, I'm gonna write that one down. Have a little conversation about that failure. Use it as an opportunity to learn something about the gift set that God's given you and as a chance to try something else. The heart of God on full display, overflowing with love. And What does that look like? It looks like God himself Kneeling down and washing the feet, the dirty, sweaty, disgusting feet of his followers. The job that a servant would do. Servant did. For even the Son of Man did not come down to be served, but to serve. And give his life as a ransom for many. And as we follow Jesus, our call is that we too must serve. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the hope that you will provide. Lord, I think even now, as we live in this tension of what we see day to day, Fear, the anxiety, the uncertainty, the hate, the rage, the bitterness, the jealousy, the lack of hope and lack of peace that is on full display. I pray, God, that we could live in this tension with the heart of Jesus. That we choose love. And that that choice would be overflowing. And it would personify itself in us serving others. I pray, God, that we would be the antidote All this angst that we see. That you would work through us to bring about your love. That we would point people to the sacrifice that our Savior made so that we could know love. We could. Discover hope. And we could be set free. So let us serve others well for your glory. In your son, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.